This is another message from Glory City Church by Pastor Catherine Renala. For more information, go to glorycitychurch.com.au. I want to share a scripture with you from Romans chapter 8, one of our favourite chapters. Verse 6. The mind of the sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. Now Colossians also tells us, set your minds and keep them set on things above. Philippians 4 says, think on things that are pure and lovely and of a good report. You know, I look at the lives of those that are really seeing God's power manifested, those that are really seeing people come to Christ and, and seeing what, we are, what, what so many are praying for. I look at their lives and the reality is they live consecrated lives. Todd White, he's regularly fasting and praying and in the Word of God. And I, I, you know, I spend a lot of time with, with our team. I know um, Nathaniel and Joel so, so well. Nathaniel and Haley lived for like about six months on our property. And, uh, and they all just live a stone's throw away from us. And we spend a lot of time together. And I tell you, their thinking and all of their speech is all about the kingdom of God. It's all about the kingdom of God. You know, you, if you spend time with people like, like this, you'll understand that this is really what normal Christianity looks like. It's, it's living in a place where you are, you're continually setting your mind on the things of the kingdom. Your motivations are kingdom-minded. <coughs> the mindset on the Spirit is life. And peace, it actually gives life. What we're wanting to do, <coughs> excuse me, could I cough, Molly? What we're wanting to do when we reach people, <coughs> Jessica's going to help me for a second. <laughs> okay, so most of you that know me know I wouldn't get up here if you paid me, but I know how sore mum's throat is. Um, she mentioned this morning that she wanted to tell a story that happened to me uh, like last year or something like that. And uh, it was just about a group of, they're a couple now, they're engaged, um, that comes to this church. They're living away at the moment, but she just wanted to explain it because it's like normal Christian life, I suppose. Um, I was sitting in a car with one of my girlfriends in... <laughs> the valley. Um, I'm a personal trainer, so we were, had to go to a boot camp breakup. And so we were there, it was probably like nine o'clock at night. And it was in this middle of this empty car park, like middle of nowhere. And um, this car kept on driving past and we're just like, okay. And um, completely dark, our lights are off. We we're just about to get out of the car. And I get a knock on the window and I, I thought I was going to die. Like, I thought it was like a serial killer or something. And um, there's Sean and Rochelle. They um, just tapped on the window and they were like, hi, um, we're not going to kill you. We just want to talk to you. And I'm just like, 
okay. And my friend who's never had anything to do with the church was like, oh my gosh. And I, I hadn't been to church, so I hadn't, I didn't know who they were or anything like that. They didn't know who I was. And, um, we were just like hanging around. They started talking. They're like, hey, we've been driving around for a while and we just felt the Lord tell us to come and talk to you and come and pray for you. And I was like, what church do you go to? <laughs> and they're like, oh, Glory City. It's, it's a really good church. I was like, yeah, that's my mom's church. And they're like, oh, um, cool. Yeah, that's, that's not not weird or anything and it was just like a really cool experience like you know they they didn't have to come up to us it was a really awkward time like no one wants to go and knock on a car door window with two girls in it at nine o'clock at night in the valley like (laughs) it's kind of a weird thing to do but yeah it's just a really cool thing that they kind of came up because you know we're still telling the story a year down the track because just having that faith and listening to what God's going to say at the most of random times. It's just awesome. Like it just, it was great. But I'll let mum come back up. Hopefully she's not dying anymore. Hallelujah. That's amazing. I did not expect to see you get up this morning. Thank you very much. You're a good girl. (laughs) See, that's a glorious story because um, I was praying for Jess around nine o'clock that night at home got this excited phone call at 9.30 in the afterwards and um, <clears throat> she was telling me the story. And I tell you, the fact that they'd done that for my girl, they'd, they'd been on a prayer drive and the Holy Spirit had said, that one, walking out of that restaurant there now. And Sean just went, oh, it would look really awkward, you know, in the night time, you know, probably freak her out. And they kept driving and... Um, then the Holy Spirit was like, no. And little did they know, I was at home praying because Jess was going through a really difficult time at that stage. And um, uh, so they turned around and she'd gone. You and your friend had gone and had parked somewhere else um, and they were getting changed. Uh, not getting changed, they were putting some makeup on, freshening their makeup up. And the Holy Spirit gave them directions, gave Sean and Rochelle directions as to where they had gone to another car park and, and they found them. And then Jessica heard him prophesy over her friend and she was trying to tell her, yeah, this is great. This is, this is the Holy Spirit. You, you need to listen. And, um, and for her, even, you know, I, I was so, she was so excited, ringing me up at 9.30 at night saying, guess what just happened? And today she's here. And, you know, these things, the... Every time that we step out for Jesus, we've done it unto Him. My heart melted. I was like, oh God, you're so lovely. Here was I praying at home and look what you did. And had a lovely word of encouragement for Jessica. And I felt like they'd done it to me. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, as much as you do it to the least of these, my brethren, you've done it to me. Many of us, I don't know if you've ever had the experience in worship where you've thought, I just want to love you more, God. Anybody ever felt like that? I, you know, I, we sang the song tonight, I mean, to this morning, that what can I do for you? What can I sing for you? And our heart's desire when we fall in love with God is like, I, help me to love you more. 
But in the middle of worship one night, as I was saying this, the Lord spoke to me. He said, as you love your family, as you love people around me, around you, you are worshipping me. And I make the porridge for the kids in the morning. I'm, I'm worshipping Jesus. I have that opportunity to bless him. When you reach out to somebody on the street, you are doing it to him. It's one of his lost ones that he desperately wants to communicate with. And if you touch them, you touch him. You touch his heart and you get to have a more exquisite worship experience than anything. It's, it's, it's part of the full expression of worship. Hallelujah. You may have gathered we love worship here. And, um, and God, is, we encourage people to engage and connect with God in worship. Friday nights, we love to spend as long as it takes just worshiping God. And we have amazing encounters with Jesus. And it's so beautiful. And the Lord speaks and He loves to hold us and help us. But to experience the fullness of His love, we've got to receive and we've got to give it away. Hallelujah. There's, an, there's a part of God's heart you cannot experience until you are loving somebody else like you did this morning. Thank you very much, darling. Hallelujah. You know, but we've got to remind ourselves, 2 Corinthians chapter 3 says, We all with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror the glory of God, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of God. When we behold Him, we look as though it's a mirror. We're looking at Him. And in looking at Him, we see what we look like. Because He says, it's no longer we who live. You have to help me. But that's an astounding thought, seriously. If you've been born again, it's not about you anymore. Your identity now is that of Jesus. So he says, you behold as in a mirror the glory of God and you're being transformed as you behold. As you look at him, he's reminding you, I have cleansed you from your sin. I have made you new. You are not who you used to be. This is not your old identity. You are now made from the very same substance as me. And I want you to think of yourself as He is, so are we in this world. That is when you have thoughts in your head, when you wake up and you think, how do I feel? God wants you to look in the mirror of His face and remind yourself, actually, this is what I look like. I look clean. I look kind. I look loving. I look patient. I look generous. I look unselfish. All of the attributes that are described of love is is actually the description of who I am now in Christ, not because of my behavior, but because of him. Hallelujah. It's the Bible. It's, It's good. And so we can know these things and, but it's one thing to know them and it's another thing to actually walk it out in faith. Theoretically, we can know I have been crucified it's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. We, we can know these truths that I am, I am identified by faith. My old life is hidden with God in Christ. Hallelujah. 
by faith as he is, so am I in this world. We do it all by faith. By grace are we saved through faith. Hallelujah. So we live in this place of exercising our faith, remembering the truth of who we are. But we also need to recognise that by faith, we need to be walking in the Spirit. That's not something that just happens without our, our interaction God created you to deliberately use your free will to follow Him. He's empowered you to live in the Spirit. Hallelujah. But in, we, we need to be actively by faith jumping in to embrace that. Hallelujah. And so it, it takes a consecrated life. And people get nervous when you talk like that. You think... Well, I mean, I'm trying to earn it. I've been down that track. I used to fast to try and get anointed until I realised I was preaching almost every day and I couldn't fast every day. And then I had to try and figure out what days could I afford to be less anointed for, you know. And that was difficult because I acquainted what I did with the power of the anointing. That is not what I'm saying. Fasting just helps me focus on who He is. Hallelujah. How fasting just helps me remember that He's the boss. Hallelujah. It doesn't earn me anything because I cannot earn a single thing. Jesus is the only one that has purchased life for me. Hallelujah. Life and life more abundant, everything He's got. But those who've been conquered by the Father, conquered by His love, God is looking for those who will give themselves. You know, the Bible tells us that He gives grace to the humble, but He resists the proud. Is that right? Humility says, I have need of a Saviour. I have great need of your help. I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. And when we come in faith and we say, Lord, I want to exchange my old life and my sin for your mercy and your forgiveness, God gives grace to the humble. Hallelujah. But we, can, we, are, we are called to walk in that place of humility where we recognise you are my God and allow the love that He pours on us by cleansing us from our sin, by making us new creations as we become born again. We then have the, have the opportunity to think about what is done, to set our minds on things above, to set our minds on Him. And remember what is done, that our hearts would be overwhelmed and undone to the point that we say, Lord, you are my Lord. I lay down my life. I want to be a laid down lover. Not out of a sense of I'll do that so I get this, but I'll do that because you are all I want. You are my life. You are my joy. And I know that in surrendering to you, I get everything. Hallelujah. This is better preaching than you're actually responding to. You know, worship sounds like something. If you hear revelation that makes your heart go, if you actually let the sound out, it's, it's genuine, bona fide worship. And it blesses the heart of God. Amen. So let it rip. So sometimes people, 
you know, in the magnificence of the, the message of the gospel of grace, which is so amazing. Sometimes people don't understand and read the whole book. They don't understand and recognize that He's God, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And He's holy. And He's, you know, I believe this season that we're coming into is seriously glorious. Hallelujah. I can feel the weight of the glory, but it's, it's serious. There's a reverential awe that God is releasing in the hearts of His people because He wants to release a glory like we have never experienced. If the glory that was released in the book of Acts was enough to, to deal with Ananias and Sapphira, I mean, seriously, we're going to see exceedingly abundantly above what was then. We also are going to need a reverential holy fear that says, Lord, I know you are God. Not to be afraid of Him, but to recognize the holiness and the awe of God that says, Lord, I don't want to mess about, but I want to jump in. And for this end time harvest, I want to lay thy life down. I want to go after you. I want to follow you. And I need your help. I can't do it in my own strength, but I acknowledge my weakness to you. And I say, in my weakness, you are strong. I remind myself I have everything I need to do, everything you've called me to do. And I put on. Christ, remembering He is my strength and my, my help and my hope. The difference between those that are really seeing God move and those that have been perhaps not seeing very much, very often if you begin to look at their lives, they've, they've allowed God to take them through the process. They've not quit when the going got tough. Because all the way through, the Holy Spirit is wanting to teach us and help us and, and equip us for the long haul. Hallelujah. So I have a saying, if you don't quit, you win. And I know it from truth. I know it from experience. Something else that I think normal Christians have is an eternal mindset. You know, we shared from Colossians, um, that we're to set our minds on things above, Colossians chapter 3. Above, the Holy Spirit, I believe, is wanting to release greater and greater revelation of the throne room, of heaven, of eternity. I was just reading on Sunday from um, Exodus, when all the leaders, actually the 70 leaders with Moses went up and they saw God and they ate and drank. It's an astounding passage but that was under that covenant. Now we have the privilege of boldly being able to approach the throne of grace. And if God is wanting to release revelation of eternity to us, He wants us to know. You can read the, the Word of God and read about the place that He's gone and prepared for us. Jesus said, I go and prepare a place it's a bit like a parent that, that's had a child run away from home and would prepare the bedroom, praying over it, believing one day, one day they'll come home, praying, believing. Jesus says, I go and I prepare a place for you. 
And it's beautiful. This is what His heart's desire is for people, to know and experience Him and to come into revelation and to come into fellowship with Him that they may be saved. But they're saved from something. You're still very quiet. Let me just read the Bible to you. Revelation chapter 22. Verse 18, the wall was made of jasper and the city was pure gold, as clear as glass. The wall of the city was built on foundation stones inlaid with 12 precious stones. Can you imagine it? You've been given an imagination. The Holy Spirit wants to enlighten it. The first was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth carnelian, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysophrase, and the eleventh jacinth, the twelfth amethyst. The twelve gates are made of pearls. Each gate were from a single pearl. And the main street was pure gold, as clear as glass. I saw no temple in the city, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. And the city has no need of sun or moon, for the glory of God illuminates the city, and the Lamb is its light. This is pretty exciting. The nations will walk in its light and the kings of the world will enter the city in all their glory. The gates will never be closed at the end of each day because there is no night there. And all the nations will bring their glory and honour into the city. Nothing evil will be allowed to enter, nor anyone who practices shameful idolatry, dishonesty, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Revelation chapter 22, verse 8 says, But cowards, unbelievers, the corrupt, murderers, the immoral, those who practice witchcraft, idol worshippers and all liars, their fate is in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. I know people don't like to talk about that. But if we don't understand eternity, we don't understand the urgency of what we're doing. God's desire is that none should perish, but all should have everlasting life. That's the will of God. He tells us, pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. He desires it desperately that all would be saved. Yet the reality is the Bible tells us there are those who will harden their hearts. As I said before, He gives grace to the humble but he resists the proud. Those that say, no, I'm gonna go my own way, I'll do what I want, and choose not to humble themselves and receive mercy, repent of their sin, and allow him to come and make them new. The reality is that their names are not written in the Lamb's book of life if they don't receive the free gift of salvation. And there is eternal consequences. I know this sounds really heavy, but I felt the Holy Spirit wants us to know and understand. He's been telling me for a a year the words fully aware, fully awake. Sometimes we walk around half asleep, half blind. We get 
coerced and absorbed into the culture around us that says, just live for yourself, do what feels good. And the Lord says, those that will lose their life for my sake will find it. I'm an old fashioned preacher just because I believe the book. I believe the Bible and we need to be a people who will know the Word of God because the Holy Spirit wants to quicken it and bring it to your remembrance when persuasive, clever arguments come your way. Come on, I know you need to help me with this. He wants you to read not just the stuff you like, but read the whole book. Read it all, read a whole epistle, read a, read a whole gospel and just work your way through it. It's, it's so powerful and important. But in doing this, as you give yourself to Him, as you say, Lord, Your ways are higher than my ways. As you begin to pray, Lord, give me a mindset that is set on You, filled with life and peace. Give me Your heart. I thank You, Lord. When I look in the mirror, I have Your heart for the lost. I have Your heart for the kingdom. I am clean. I am not condemned. Hallelujah. I don't have to feel guilty at all because the blood of the Lamb has taken all of my sin and shame. And when I get up, people can expect to encounter Jesus when I talk to them. I remember um, being in a, a pastor's meeting in LA. I'm part of a network called HIM um, with Pastor Cheyenne and I went to one of the leaders' meetings and I was going through a really tough time but I had my brave face on, you know. I was like, okay, we're going to do the meet and greet and and I had my brave face on. And then all of a sudden, a man called Charles Stock, um, who's a friend of mine, has a wonderful church in Pennsylvania. He just went, he saw me and he went, Catherine. And I just burst into tears. And I thought, how did that man get under my radar? I had my pastor's face on. I had it all together. And I, I had to think about it afterwards. I went, how did that happen? And I realised he carried the atmosphere of heaven. In the secret place when I'm alone with God, my tears are liquid words and he can read them all. In the secret place alone with God, I've got nothing to hide, nothing to fear. The tears can flow freely and God is there with His hand walking with me, interpreting my tears and comforting me in all my distress. I am safe to be me. And from that moment on, I thought, Lord, I want to consciously, by faith, be a carrier of heaven. I want to be a carrier of the atmosphere of heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. God wants to do it through you. People can experience the atmosphere of heaven. Just imagine for a moment that you were in heaven, standing before God as a born again believer. There is no fear. There is no shame. There is no trepidation. There's no, there's no condemnation. There is perfect love, perfect peace. 
How do you feel in that place? That's what God wants you to look in the mirror, deeply gaze into the, the eyes of his face. And remember, oh, regardless of what might be going on in my life right now, this is my home. I live in the presence of the Father God. I am seated at the right hand of the Father. I'm surrounded by His favour as with a shield. I carry the peace and the presence and the power of God. I lay hands on the sick and they recover, not because I've done anything good, but because it's Christ God Himself who lives in me and is upon me. And I deliberately practice releasing that atmosphere. I, I began when my, my son would come home. My, my little boy, he's only 14. He's 14 now, but when he was a bit younger, I'd practice. He'd, he'd be coming home from school and I'd, I'd get ready. I'd look at the time and I'd get ready. And I'd, um, and I'd say, right, when he walks through that door, he is going to experience the atmosphere of heaven. Perfect acceptance, absolute love, absolute delight and joy. He's going to experience that. And I would do it deliberately. Before I walk into um, a party or a meeting, I, I stop and I try and I think about it. And by faith, I activate what has been given to me by grace. By faith, I steward what's been given to me by grace. And I think, how are people going to respond when they hear my greeting? How are people going to respond when they feel me hug them or when they see me smile at them? What are they going to experience? And I deliberately, by faith, get ready for them to be impacted by the glory. Hallelujah. Nathaniel and Joel walk this really, really well. They just live in that place. If you've ever had a run-in with them, you'll know about it. It's like, whoa. <laughs> Roland's the same, you know. It's just like. But this is what the Holy Spirit has for us. And when we go out on the street, we're not going out with, you know, okay, I'm going to give it a go. Because as a man thinks in his heart, you could say it a little bit louder because this is quite loud. As a man thinks in his heart, if you're thinking in your heart, oh, I hope they don't think I'm going to be annoying. Oh, I don't like to disturb them. They're going to react with, you're disturbing me. But if you're thinking in your heart, I am covered in the glory of the atmosphere of heaven, which is perfect acceptance, perfect love, no condemnation, no judgment, no fear. When I touch them, when I say hello to them, when I smile at them, I will have the favour of God upon me. I carry it and they are going to experience Jesus. Anything that happens after that is a bonus because if they've seen Jesus, they will be never the same. You know, God so longs for us 
to reveal Christ. Christ the Saviour who came to save the world from their sin. We have been given now the ministry of reconciliation. I don't know if you know what that really looks like. But if you've ever been estranged from somebody you love, can you imagine what it's like when they come back? That's what we get to do for Jesus. We get to bring to him the ones that he laid his whole life down for. The ones that while there is breath in their bodies, he is longing for. I remember when I first got called to ministry, I started having all sorts of wild encounters with God at home. And I mean, it's a long story, so I won't share it all. But I remember one day at home, I was just interceding and I was groaning. I couldn't even get up off the floor, the visions that God was showing me. And, but then I had this vision one day of, of these people and they were just blindly walking off the edge of a cliff. And then I turned around and I saw Jesus and I saw his face. And the sadness in his eyes broke my heart because they were going to a place where there was no more hope. He'd done everything that needed to be done so they could be saved. And yet here they were walking off the edge. And then the Lord spoke to me and he, he showed me another vision. He, I saw myself calling out to them and, and telling them, come, no, don't go that way, come this way. And I knew God was calling me to reach the lost. But I tell you, if you could only get a glimpse of his love for people, if you could only know how important it is. This isn't a game where we get... You know, people to come into a culture where they're going to have a better life. This is about eternity. And it's real. And God has given you everything you do, you, you need to be able to, to reach out. He's given you life and He's given you love. He's given you all the help that you need, all the tools that you need. But He wants you to get understanding of his heart. You see, if we don't have love, we have nothing. We are just annoying. We become a clanging gong. And I don't mock or ridicule those that are doing their best to try and reach people. But if people aren't experiencing genuine atmosphere of heaven, the peace, the love, the power of Jesus, if they're not experiencing His love, then it is very hard to bring them to Him. You see, God is love. He is love. He is the very definition of love. We're not called to go out and to point out people's sin and say, sinner, you over there, you need to get your life right. This is never what God, I did that as a teenager. 
Oh, my poor father. I love my father. He's still not saved. I've been praying for him since I was six, but he's going to be one day. Hallelujah. But I'd, we'd go, mum and dad were divorced and I'd go, he'd go and visit him on holidays and I would give him the hardest time. I was, I was just like this little nun, zealot. Dad, you're going to hell. I tell him all the time, Dad, you, you, can't, you can't do this and you can't do that. You mustn't, you can't, don't smoke, do this. And he'd just sort of smile and ignore me. And it was well meant. But I tell you, when people start to actually realise that God is for them, that He's not against them, when they start to realise that God is love, that is so much more appealing. The Bible tells us in the book of John, that God didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him should be saved. That's the plan. So for us to go out and condemn people, I did it, I was a high school teacher too, and before God really delivered me and set me free, I was still very much this little Pharisee. And I'd try to, um, I'd try to, you know, get my kids to, my, my students to toe the line and do the right thing. And it was quite an education for this little church girl going into a state school where I had one kid climbing the, the louvers one day high on drugs and telling me what he was going to do to the, the librarian after he dissected her. And um, I was like, yes, but Dean, you're high, come and get down. And, and the kids would say, my missy's high. And I'm like, yeah, I know, you're going to hurt yourself. I, I was so naive, but I would try to um, get them to live good lives. Yeah, no, don't, don't do that. That would be bad. That's a bad idea. And it was well meant. But I tell you, I didn't win a single one to Jesus that way. Trying to whitewash graves is a pointless exercise. Unless their heart is touched by love, there is no true transformation. You can get them all conformed and looking like they're living right and it's meaningless if they haven't humbled themselves, acknowledged their sin and their need for a saviour and received the very lifeblood of Jesus to transform them and make them new. I'm going to close in just a moment, but before I do that, can I pray for you? My prayer is that you would know and experience the love of God that passes knowledge. That you'd be filled to overflowing with all His fullness. Because if you overflow with the fullness of God, if you overflow with love, the world around you will be changed. So Father, I pray, Lord, that you would strengthen them with might in their inner being, that they would truly come to know together with all the saints, what is the height and the depth and the width and the breadth, the love of Christ that passes knowledge, that they would truly by faith understand Christ dwelling in their hearts, that they would experience 
saints and know the fullness of your love, that they'd be so overflowing with your glory, that they would be released into the hope that now unto you who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask, hope or imagine. We say thank you, Lord. It's in that place of... Hallelujah. It's in that place of knowing God's love that faith is able to be activated. If you know how much He loves you and how much He loves them, having faith for a miracle, having faith for a release of His power becomes an, an irrelevant question because faith works by love. That's in the Bible too. It works by love. If you're wondering, how do I get enough faith? Spend some time looking into his face. Let his eyes undo you and overwhelm you. And then you'll know the perfect love of God will cast out all fear that he won't do what he has promised because you'll know him. Hallelujah. You can walk with Him and unafraid. You don't have to figure things out. You can say, Lord, like a weaned child, I'll just rest in your lap and say, everybody, hope in God. He wants to give you a peace that passes understanding, that does away with all the questions. What, what if, why, when, how? And just say, He loves me. Oh, how He loves me. Oh, shalabasaka. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Father, we say thank you. And I just quickly pray for this lady in the apricot top there. Yes, ma'am. What's your name? Father, thank you for Jackie. Shalabasaka. Could I just have someone come stand behind her? Father, thank you. Wow. Wow, Jesus. I see that you've been through a cutting and a polishing, but the Lord says that he's been polishing you up to shine like a star in the universe as you hold out the word of life. And the Lord says he's made you like a key that is going to unlock hard hearts. But the Lord says nothing will be impossible for you for the anointing for miracles is upon your life. (laughs) And the Lord says out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. Living water. So Father, we say thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your love, Daddy. Oh, I love him. Lovely Jesus. Can I pray for you in the check shirt, sir? Hallelujah. Paroposuka. Oh, Shadowbosuka Mapa. Whoa. The Lord says that even as the passion of John G. Lake drove him to seek after the fire, the baptism of fire, the Lord says that you have sought and hungered after the baptism of fire. 
says that His grace is upon you. To heal the sick. Oh, to cleanse the lepers. <laughs> Father, I thank you, Lord, for your grace is upon him for miracles, Lord, in Jesus' name. And the Lord says, you've been in a season where you felt like, I don't know which way to go next. But in this time, you have found a joy, <laughs> a deep abiding joy that makes no human sense. And the Lord says, even as Stephen's face shone when he was being stoned, the Lord says in this season where you've felt confused and you've felt rejected, the Lord says that your face has begun to shine. And he says, arise and shine for the light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you and you will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And the Lord says, there are children going to follow in your footsteps, says the Lord. So Father, I thank you for it. Amen. Amen. Uh, I think I probably, my time is up. Yes? Yes. Oh, yes. Hallelujah. I love to talk about Jesus. And I pray that you catch his heart. We're going to have a bit of a Q&A tomorrow. Is that right? Yes? Yes. And, um, and I'll be sharing again tomorrow. But the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.